Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's get into the Word together quickly tonight, and I'm going to take the next 20 minutes or so, and then I'm going to pray with you and get Melinda to come and pray with you, because my goodness, she's on fire. Uh, That's for sure. I looked at that little finger of hers pointing down there, and I think I wouldn't want to be the devil on the other end of that little finger. That's for sure. Uh, Isaiah 54, just the first two verses, speaking about stretch, say, Sing, O barren, you who haven't born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not laboured with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, don't spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Two weeks ago, I spoke in this service, I think, on being stretched by vision, being compelled by something greater than yourself that forces you to get out of your comfort zone, that makes you dream things that you wonder, why you? Melinda said, why me? And I think most of us know the feeling of that. God, why me? Who am I that the highest king should welcome me? Who am I that you should call me? Who am I that you should reach out to me and and give to me the right and the privilege to represent you? And I spoke about vision and the way that that compels us to stretch. But there's another thing that'll stretch you in life, not such a pleasant one. Psalm 4 and verse 1 in the Amplified Version says this. It says, you have enlarged me when I was in distress. Now, the distress didn't do the enlarging. It was God in the distress that caused the enlarging. But God is able to use, as Melinda again said, preaching what I was about to say, that God said, Romans 8 verse 28, all things work together for good. So that's the negatives and the positives. That's the great days and the tough days. There's something about being in a difficult place that causes us to stretch. Now, I want to take you on a quick journey tonight through one of the most uh, favourite of Psalms to me. When I was going through six months of chemo treatment for cancer, I think this passage, these six verses, uh, resonated through my mind every day. Not out of comfort, but it was like the Holy Spirit used the words of that psalm written by the same one who wrote Psalm 4.1. Both of them are Psalms of David. This is what he said, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then the whole thing shifts from out of a great place of beauty and peace and rest into verse 4 where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Then this moment of distress, this time we don't know how long it takes, but this moment of pressure and pain begins to shift and he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, surely goodness and mercy. I love that this man goes through pain without the pain clinging to him. 
I love the fact that he walks through disappointment but doesn't live the rest of his life with cynicism or with fear like Melinda again said tonight. She said, I'm no longer a slave to fear. How sad it is when people walk through the fires of life but they come out smelling of the smoke of the disappointment and the pain they've gone through. This guy comes out and says, surely I'm going to, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. He says, my residing place is not where I've been, but my residing place is right beside where God is in life. And so I want to give you some things out of this because this uh, psalm continues to speak to me. And continues to tell me that there is life in the valleys that you and I can pass through in life. And I'm not saying this out of some kind of, we live all of our life in the valley. Oh, the veil of tears. and All of life is such a trial. I don't believe that. If you were to ask me about the 30 or so years that uh, since my wife and I founded this church, when I say we founded it, we were just used by God to found it. I don't think we're the founders really. I think the vision was something that came from him. But in those 30 or so years, I wouldn't tell you about all the problems and all the difficulties. I'm going to tell you about all the joy. We celebrate tonight Transform Cambodia and 12 years or a little over 12 now of making a massive impact. It's the largest NGO for children in the entire nation and the entire history of Cambodia. That's a remarkable thing. It's not a small little thing like so many I saw there, and thank God for all the small ones, but uh, it's been a remarkable, remarkable thing. This year in Western Australia alone, over 200,000 people are going to be impacted through the ministry that you call Red Frogs that grew out of the life of this church some 17 years ago and making an impact to people's lives. And so when we talk about Uh, what God is doing. Uh, We're not looking at it from a negative, but I do know as well that you can't have mountains without valleys. It's impossible. There's no such thing as mountains without a valley in between. So let's talk about the valleys for a minute. If you're in one, take this as a word from God. If you're just sailing from mountaintop to mountaintop and all of your life is beauty after beauty and glory after glory and goodness after goodness, wonderful thing after wonderful thing, well then keep praying for the rest of us who occasionally have a few pressures and a few difficulties. All right, number one, first thing, I'm gonna, you got 15 more minutes. Listen fast because I'm gonna speak quickly or get the podcast late. Number one, a delay is not a dead end. The psalmist doesn't say, yea, though I camp in the valley of the shadow of death. He says, yea, though I walk through. He's walking through. It's not a dead end. He's not going to get to the end of it and have to do a U-turn, have to find reverse gear. He's actually in this place saying, you know what? This is a delay getting to my destiny. This is absolutely not a dead end, yea, though I walk through. And I want you to know tonight that the delays that come in your life the, the valleys that you get to be a part of, there's something you're passing through. I want you to turn to your neighbour right now and say this to them. Somebody here needs to hear it tonight. I want you to look them in the eye if you're, if you're confident to do that. Look them in the eye and say, you will come out the other side. Tell them that tonight. You will. Come, here. come on, you be the preacher tonight. You be the preacher tonight. You will come out the other side. 
The enemy wants you to believe that this is the rest of your life. This is what it looks like. Wants to paint a dark picture. You know, wants to make it look bad and horrible and say to you, it's never going to be any good ever again. And Because that thing went sour in your life. My goodness, that's the end. I do not believe that it's possible for destiny to be stopped by anything on the planet. I don't believe it's possible because Romans tells me, what can separate me from the love of God? And you know, it was the love of God that called me. It was the love of God that invited me to partner with Him. It was the love of God that made me His representative. It was the love of God that gives me the option and the privilege and to be able to minister for Him and to bless others. And if it's the love of God for humanity that did that, I don't believe it's possible for the devil or angels or demons or any other such thing of life nor death nor any other such thing to prevent that great destiny from coming to pass in Jesus name but you got to know a delay is not a dead end here's the second thing you've got to know a valley only proves there's another mountain up ahead it's true isn't it there's another high point ahead I love this verse Marcus Ardern spoke this verse to me many years ago never forgot it Job 14 verse 7 It says, for there is a hope of a tree that if it's cut off like a stump, yet it shall bloom or shall sprout again. There's hope of a tree. If it's cut down, it'll sprout again. And tender shoots will not cease. In other words, you might feel like you have been so just knocked around by life. You don't think you're ever going to get up. Job 14, 7 says, there's hope of a tree and there's hope for you. You can, come on, I want you to hear this tonight. I pray that every single one of us will go into our workplaces or our unis or our colleges or our whatever we go into tomorrow and that we'll be bearers of hope. Can I tell you the number, if I could, if ever again I change the name of this church, I would change it to something with hope in it. Because I think it's in such short supply right across our country. In this nation of Australia, you read the paper, you get your Twitter feed, and it's doom and gloom and cynicism and and corruption and all kinds of nonsense that goes on. And without uh, realising it, sometimes the people that are meant to be bearers of hope, we are just as much bearers of the gossip of what's gone wrong with our nation, rather than saying, you know what, there is hope for Australia. There is hope for a revival. There is hope for people coming to Christ. There is hope for a transformation of our nation. Never just think to yourself, well, that's only for the third world because they're so broken, they're so poor. Actually, I've seen more more fancy cars in Cambodia than I've ever seen in Australia. I've seen more Bentleys and more Ferraris and like Grandas. Lexus up there are like Hyundai i30s. Seriously, they're like Toyota Corollas. They're just Lexus everywhere, wall to wall. And you go to a place like that and the mistake is to think that God moves in those kinds of places. I tell you, God is moving in Australia. He's just reaching outside of church walls. uh, Remember what Jesus said, go into the highways and the byways. There are people in your highway. There are people in your byway and they're waiting for you to give them an invitation. Now they don't want to hear a great preach. They don't want to hear a whole pile of sermons. Maybe they just want an invite to next Sunday night. 
between dinner and church. Maybe they just want someone to say, hey, you're welcome. You can come. And by the way, you don't have to do anything and you don't have to believe. You can just come. We'd like to love you. We'd like to be a part of being a blessing to you. We'd like to show you what we think the love of God looks like. Turn up to a feast. Come on. Let's get them out of the highways and the byways this week. Amen. There'll be ones around about you. Too often we go for the likely looking ones. We look for the people that look like they're hungry for God. But I've discovered sometimes the hungriest people aren't evidencing it at all. They're not showing it. They're living lives of cursing and cussing and all kinds of stuff. I was sat beside a couple of them down in Esperance the other day. They were fishing away and my goodness, talk about quintessential Aussie bogans. But you know, God loves them. God loves them just the same. God doesn't love you because you got your act together. He loves all kinds of weird and wacky and strange and, and obnoxious even. Amen. We're just going to get to the highways and the byways and find those kinds of people. So it's, what was I talking about? A valley only proves there's another mountain point up ahead. And here's number three. Listen, this is so important. Don't focus on the mountain you've left, but the mountain that you're going to. You know, whenever I get in the valley, I know what I tend to be like. Probably John's not like this because John has been to Bible college and ministry training across there in New Zealand. He's got it nailed down. Uh, so probably John never has this happen. But you know, when I come out of a mountain and get into a valley, all I want to do is this. I want to turn around and look at the mountain I come from and say, gee, that was good. Oh, God. Oh, man, that was so good. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? We are such great historians and such terrible visionaries much of the time. Isn't that right? And it's so easy to look back in your life at the mountain you came from and compare it to the valley you're in now. And yet the reality is that, that the mountain you've been on, the place where you've been, start speaking about the mountain ahead. I know something shifts in my life when I stop talking about yesterday and start talking about tomorrow. Make sure you've got vision always around your life. You might have been through stuff. You might have aged. You might have gone through something. You might say, oh, God, that nearly killed me. Well, have your little moment to celebrate the fact you're not dead. Have your little moment to go, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. Then the next breath, start to look up and go, I wonder where my next mountain is. Mountains fascinate people. I heard on the radio this week that the Chinese government has just shut uh, the Chinese side of Mount Everest to tourists because 40 thousand people a year go to the Chinese side because it's the only one where you don't have to climb. You can just drive to the bottom of Mount Everest. And so all these people are driving up there and getting out of their car and going, oh, getting a selfie. Click, there I am at Mount Everest. And so the Chinese government says it's costing us so much in rubbish removal, they've banned the whole lot and they're only allowing people with climbing permits. Do you know how many people got climbing permits for the Chinese side? 40,000 drive there, 300 people want to climb from there. Are you a climber or a driver? Huh? Are you a climber of mountains or do you just want to take a pick and go home? I've been to the Swiss Alps and taken photos of the famous five. And look at there, the Matterhorn and the Jägermeister. I don't know why they're even called the whole lot of them, but there was a mob of them. And they were all awful big and they had snow on them. But, you know, I never once got tempted to climb up there. I look at all that and go, you've got to be kidding. It's cold for a start. 
You know, but when it comes to life, I want to be a climber of mountains, not a picture taker of mountains. Not this is where I used to be. Amen. So start speaking about the mountain head. He's number four. He's with me in the valleys in a way different to every other time of my life. I've asked Christians this who've been through incredibly deep valleys of life. I've said, tell me, what's it like? What, what do you think? And I've heard this sentiment echoed, said differently, but echoed so many times. People say to me, it almost seemed to me that in my darkest and deepest time, the Lord was closer to me than at any other time of my life. I've heard that over and over again. And I think I understand somewhat why. Because this is not, according to Psalm 23, the God of you can do it. Rise up, come on, get up, have faith. But in Psalm 23, verse 4, he doesn't come as the God of inspiration, the God of direction or the God of motivation, but he comes as the God of all comfort. That's what Paul said about him in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, he's the God of all comfort. And that's what happens when you get into those places, the comfort of God will come to you. And I love the fact that God isn't a slave driver. God isn't always saying, come on, get up and believe. Come on, you've got to do this. Come on, you can. I love the fact that outside of me, I love the fact the vision didn't start with a great idea in my mind, but it started with God. It's in one sense independent of me, in another sense very dependent on my responses. But it's not all up to me. So understand that when you get into those places, when you get into the difficulties, He's going to come to you in a different way. Here's number five. What lies ahead of me is far better than what you're in. Duh. But it's also better and greater than where you've been. How do I know? What do I mean by that? I mean this, that the valley is always the place of preparation for the next mountain. If you'll do the valley well, you will come out better, not better. That's not a cliche. You will come out bigger and bolder, not weaker and smaller. I cannot tell you the number of times I said to Rhonda while we were driving down, one of the most profound shifts in my entire life came out of once I was playing basketball a couple of years ago and, and I'd given the referee a full mouthful. He was only a young bloke, but I'd, I, I, was, I didn't swear at him because I'm a Christian, but I did let him know that pretty much his problem was that he wasn't doing things like he should have been. And uh, I'm trying to say that in a really Christian way. Uh, there's a reason why my wife would never come watch me play. But, uh, so I did all that. And on the way home from that, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit like sit in the back seat of my car and say, you need to go back and apologize. And I'm arguing with God. I'm telling God the reason why that's rubbish. And basically it was his fault. And, you know, you know if he'd been a better referee, I wouldn't have got upset. Yada, yada, yada. That's all going on. Finally, because you give in to God because he's bigger than you and he's much more persistent. I turned around, got off the freeway, went back. Now, probably nearly 30 minutes has elapsed since I've left. And this guy's refereeing on another court, and I stopped, waited for a break in the plan, and went up to him, and I said, excuse me, I've come back to apologise. I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. I was wrong. Well, he looked at me, and he said, what are you doing? You didn't have to come back for that. Don't worry about it. And out of my mouth came a statement that changed my life. I said to him, you don't understand. It's not about you. It's about me and who I want to be. And I don't want to be that kind of person. And I've lived or tried to live out of that for quite some time ever since. That what lies ahead of us, if you do the valley preparation well in life, you'll come out bitter, not better. 
I want to be generous regardless of how other people treat or how life treats. Are you in a place of restriction? Do you know how to abase and how to abound? Or are you only good at the abounding bit? Are you only good when God's dripping all over you and the anointing? Whoosh! Whoo! Whoo! You know, or whatever else people do. Uh, I don't, but you go ahead. Uh, you know, however you do that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's great when God's all over you in worship, but do you still lift your hands and love God when life sucks? Amen? I know you do. Joseph came out of his delay, out of his valley, better and bolder and bigger. He learned things there he never learned in the comfortable space at home. Here's number six. God's delays, God's valleys are where we discover our unrevealed capacity and our unrevealed future. I thank God for that. You know, I think about Transform at the moment and I, I, I have been saying this for nearly 12 years that the things God has for Transform are so much bigger and so much greater. It's been a groundbreaker in so many ways. It's become a model that people are amazed at. Or, but if you said to me, what do you think, that's it? We stop, I go, oh, heck no. I think there's far much more and far much more. But maybe there's valleys along the way. And uh, we want to make sure we walk with God through them. Amen. Number seven, seventh one, he nearly finished. Seventh one, your valleys are not God's forgetfulness. They're actually his faithfulness. Psalm 22, one to three. Look at what it says. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Is that a good place? Huh? Is that a good place? It is, isn't it? Isn't that an amazing place? You want to be there? The Lord's my shepherd. I don't have any want in my life. But that's not what he finds in verse 4 when he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. But let me read to you verse 5 and 6 again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. He never had that before. My cup's running over. He never had that before. All he had before was I don't have any want. Now he's got an overflow that's enough for others. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ask me tonight and ask yourself tonight, which one would you rather? Number one, verse one through to three, or would you rather have verse five and six? Which one, honestly? Would you rather be in a safe place, a comfortable place, a place where everything's taken care of, or would you rather be in a place where your enemies are vanquished, where your head is anointed and got clarity, where there's an overflow of abundance in the earth? Which one do you want to be in? I know every day I'm going to go for the second one. Here's the thing that struck me this week was that sometimes the only way to get to the second place was through verse 4. Many of us are standing in verse 1 to 3 saying, oh God, I really want to be over there, but I'm not going through that. Oh, I want to be over there, Lord. Is there a helicopter? Can you beam me up? Is the TARDIS around? Is there some way to get me there? God, I don't want to walk through any valleys. All I want to do is be over there in this great place. And the Lord says, you don't understand. When I take you through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not because I'm trying to test you. And it's not because I'm trying to show you your weakness or any of the other nonsense that people say. I'm taking you through the valley of the shadow of death because it's the only way to get to verse 5 and it's the only way to get to verse... Come on, that's worth a big applause and a thanks to God right there in Jesus' name. Don't judge God's faithfulness by your current circumstance. That's the message. Here's number eight, the last one here. It's a long time since I've given you eight things, but come team. Here's number eight. 
You can't get to the table of victory unless you're willing to leave the still waters of safety and trust him with the valley. Isn't that true? You can't get to the table of victory unless you're willing to say, God, I'm going to enlarge. This whole year, I don't think, is about God saying, step back and just watch what I do. Because he tells this woman, you enlarge, you stretch, you expand, and you strengthen. He doesn't say, and by the way, an angel's going to come in the middle of the night, like, you know, like Gabriel came or came to, to Mary, and, you know, it's all going to be beautiful. I have no idea how it worked out. I just know this, that God spoke to her and said, this is what I want you to do. Are you willing to leave the safety? Come on. I know I'm talking to people here and God is asking you tonight, would you leave the safe place? And that he's not asking you to go tomorrow to Mongolia and be a missionary in the, amongst the yurts and the yaks. He's not asking you to do that. What he is saying, are you willing to say yes to him? Are you willing to say to God, God, I'm up for this. I, for the rest of my life, I want to be willing to say, yes, God, I'm up for it. I, I'm up for it. And God, if there's a valley, I'm not going to curse you when I'm in the valley. I'm going to love you while I'm in the valley because you're the lily of the valley. And I'm going to love you while I'm in it. And I'm going to trust you that there's a bigger mountain on the other side over there and I'm on my way to that mountain in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. There's people here tonight, Lord, and they're in valleys. In their mind, there's people like that. I don't know who you all are, but I just know there's people here and you're wrestling in your mind. Thoughts are coming and you feel like you're in a warfare in the mind. It's coming against you. And the thoughts of fear and of failure and the thoughts of abandonment, the thoughts of despair and that you're not going to make it. Those thoughts keep coming against your mind. Can I tell you tonight in Jesus' name, would you walk through the valley? Would you say, Lord, you're here to comfort me. You're going to take me through it in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us tonight. There's people here and the things they're battling are external and they're powerless. They're, they haven't got the, the business that they can't manufacture people to come. The contracts that they don't get the right to sign. Somebody else is holding that, but God, you're going to help us. You're our justifier. You're the one that's holding us by your right hand. So, Father, we thank you. But come on, let's stand together in Jesus' name. Stand with me a minute. Service is going to be over in a second. But I want you to believe God with me for your life. In the name of Jesus, come on. We don't come here to listen to a nice talk to inspire us. We come to allow the Holy Spirit. We come to allow the Holy Spirit to come around us, transform us, change our minds, change our hearts. Come on, I speak peace, Lord, to troubled waters. In the name of Jesus, I speak the peace of God to every trouble and to every disruption. Lord, to everything that's, that is bringing unrest in the name of Jesus. I speak peace to that. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're here in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're touching people right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you tonight. We don't just love you, Lord, because you were there with us as the shepherd in the still waters. God, we love you, not just because you're the one who crowns our head at the other end, but while we're in the valley, Lord, you're still there. You haven't once 
taking a break. Heaven wants stood aside from us. In Jesus' name. Come on, there's people here tonight. I know, you, you, I'm not just going to race on and sing a song. I know there are people here and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you tonight. And He's speaking to you and saying to you, He's with you. He's with you. There's people here in this place. I don't know who you are, but you think God's left you. You think that you've been such a miserable believer and such a, 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 you know, not been what you should have been that you think, well, God wouldn't want to be around you. And He says, you know what? I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you through every valley, whether it's called the shadow of death or the shadow of depression, whether it's called the shadow of failure or the shadow of rejection. It doesn't matter what shadow it is. He says, I'm there and I'm the light that dispels every shadow. In Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands to God. Let's worship Him. Come on, team. Let's sing this together. Thank you, Lord. Let's love Him through the valley, I am reminded of who you are. When trouble comes, you are my Savior. You never left me. tonight you need someone to stand with you and pray with you. Maybe it's not just about you on your own saying, well, I'm going to be fine. Oh, pastor, I feel inspired. I've lost count over the years of the number of people I've seen radically transformed by a touch from God. I'm constantly amazed. That's why almost every service we create space for people to be able to say, can someone pray with me? Can someone stand with me? And if you like that tonight, you're amongst a family of believers. We're all going in the same direction. We've probably all been where you are. 
If you're in a place right now, we say, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, come on, will you say yes? Will you go forward? Will you get out of the place of comfort? Will you stretch into what I've got for you? If you want to do that tonight, I'm just going to ask you just for the sake of time, just right where you stand, just to lift your hand. And people around about, we're just going to pray for one another for a minute. Can we do that? Just lift your hand if that's you. I just see your hands going up wherever people are. Come on, just wherever you see your hand, would you just put your hand toward them wherever they are? Come on, don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. Never say to yourself, well, you know what? You know, over here, never ever say to yourself, well, somehow or other, it's everybody else. You can trust God for your future. You can trust God in the name of Jesus. You can trust God for it. Father, thank you for every life, every hand, every person in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in the business of taking us on a journey. You're taking us from good places to great places. You're taking us from safe places to places of phenomenal success. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we do one more thing tonight? And that's this, that uh, this week, well, tomorrow morning, I guess, Mark and Andrea and Melinda are heading back to Cambodia because it's Impact 5 week. I'll be zooming in on Friday speaking to them all via the wonders of information technology and uh, that's going to be exciting for me uh, particularly exciting because I don't have to spend seven and a half hours in a plane to do it uh, that's pretty cool but we love Mark and Andrea and thank you Melinda for coming and we want to stand with Mark and Andrea in this season for transform and just believe God together I believe the best days of transform are the ones in front of it and we're looking forward to how God unfolds that So can we just gather around them for a minute? Is that okay? Put your hand to water. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Mark and Andrea. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the people that you raise up. We don't exalt them above anything else. We simply want to acknowledge you at work in their life. I pray, God, for your sustaining grace. I pray, God, for your physical strength. I pray, God, for the, the visionary capacity to see things that are under In the name of Jesus, Lord, unlock. You said, Lord, that you hold the keys and that what you open, no man can shut. What you shut, no man can open. Then, Lord, we invite the Lord of the keys to unlock the future for transform. Unlock the future in Jesus' name. Unlock tomorrow. Unlock the promises. Unlock and release, Lord, every door that needs to open in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the doors be open. God, you told us to knock and every door would come open. We are knocking in Jesus' name and believing for that, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. 